0: the Millennial Career Playbooks Company Interview Series, which focuses on corporate cultures worth knowing about if you're a job-seeking millennial or simply enjoy working in millennial-friendly environments. This series offers you company-specific information you won't find anywhere else, helping you decide if a particular firm is a great fit for you, and also offering you tips on how to most effectively land a job with the company. I'm Debbie Woldridge, CEO of outsourced training company TTC Innovations, which specializes in providing corporations with customized millennial-focused training solutions. Hosting this series with me is best-selling author Haya Bender, whose credits include five dummies books and a complete idiot's guide, and articles for the New York Times. Please frequently visit our The Millennial Career Playbook website at tmcpb.com, as we're always adding new interviews and other content. Hi, and I are joined today by Deeper Prashoffman, Principal at Deloitte Consulting and Managing Principal of Deloitte's Women's Initiative, and Leslie Knowlton, Partner at Deloitte Advisory and Managing Partner of Deloitte U.S. Talent Development. Leslie, can you share with our audience just a little bit about what Deloitte does?
1: One of the big four accounting
0: firms, but we're
1: actually more than an accounting firm. We're one of the largest professional services organizations in the world, and we provide industry-leading audit, consulting, tax, and advisory services to many of the most admired brands and clients, including 80% of the Fortune 500. So we're focused on reinforcing public trust in our capital markets, inspiring clients to make their most difficult, most challenging business decisions with confidence, and helping lead the way toward a stronger economy and a healthy society.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourselves and the roles that you have at Deloitte. I am a partner in our advisory practice
1: at Deloitte, providing risk services to clients. In addition, I lead our learning and development organization for Deloitte. It's a great combination for me. I get to focus on the two things that I'm most passionate about, helping our clients solve their toughest problems and then helping our people grow and develop in their career.
2: This is Deeper Prashasman. I'm a principal in our consulting practice. I've been at the firm for over 15 years, and I've historically been a telecom media and technology partner serving clients in that space. And very recently, I moved into two new roles, social impact practice, working to help corporates to engage and play a bigger role in social impact conversations. And I also took on our national managing partner role for our women's initiative at Deloitte.
0: Deepa, can you talk a little bit about the Women's Initiative? Sure. The Women's Initiative was started
2: over 20 years ago. It was started by our CEO at the time, Mike Cook, as a way to address the acquisition, the retention, and the advancement of women. He looked around the table and saw that his executive team and then the partnership didn't necessarily have the diversity or the gender representation that he thought it should have and the firm thought it should have. And so we put a lot of effort in kicking that off. We were the first big four firm to actually put that into place. And it's been a great and a really proud journey since then. Today, 20 years later, we're still having really passionate conversations about the retention and advancement of women. We're focused on a number of issues and it's an interesting time to take on that role and place focus in this area because especially as millennials come on and there's just general discussion in the larger community about the need for focus on women, we're finding that it's time to pivot some of our conversation, Uh, not lose focus, but the conversation needs to evolve.
0: Can you talk about some of the initiatives that Deloitte has put into place to help women who are interested in taking on a leadership role within your company?
1: Absolutely. For us, as we think about development at Deloitte, there's no two people that learn in exactly the same way. So we provide a range of resources. Sometimes those are classroom programs. Sometimes they're team-based learning programs. And then we also have some online tools and support mechanisms. We try to help our professionals understand their strengths and their style and what drives them. For example, we have a tool that we call business chemistry and it's a proprietary tool that we put together for really understanding and adapting working styles. It helps you unlock things about your own personality type, your own working style, but also provides a dialogue about how you can respond to differences in other people's personality types and working styles in the context of business challenges and improving business relationships. So those are the kinds of things that enable us to focus on how everyone brings different strengths and how can we best leverage those. We also have a number of fairly intensive programs specifically to support high-talent women in our organization for various phases in their career. These are customized by level. Many of them focus on the areas of leadership, business development. We do a lot of work together around executive presence and, again, individual strengths and negotiation skills as well
0: can you share with us any examples of the team members who have taken part in this training and share how they've used that educational experience and support to get ahead in your company?
1: Absolutely. Deepa and I both have participated ourselves in a number of these programs. I was in one of the pilot programs for senior managers in Deloitte. It was a program that was really intended to help us understand how we could better use our own styles in client relationships. And so we focused a lot on presence and influence, how to work together with your clients, how to build those relationships, not just into a transactional type of a service approach, but into a long-standing client relationship. And I know for myself, it really helped me see some of the things that I could perhaps adjust to do a little bit differently depending on my client style, which ultimately did help me in having clients that I still work with today, building those longer standing relationships and connecting with them in a better way.
2: I did the same program that Leslie's talking about. It's a program for some of our high-talent senior manager women and when they're a few years away from being ready for the partner-director process, and the idea is we want to pull this cohort together, have them have interesting conversations, help them focus on some of the things that they need to work on to get that next step in their career. For me, it was particularly timely and particularly interesting because it was the first time I'd been in a room with other women who had spent their career at Deloitte and were struggling with some of the same issues I was struggling. With As far as balance, as far as is this a career that that you want to make your life around, as far as how to make it all work and especially around leadership style. I think at that point in my career, I was still defining my leadership style and, and trying on a number of different things. The program was unique and really helpful in that you're signed an outside executive coach, which is just a really helpful thing at that point in your career when you're grappling with those kinds of topics. It's also a great learning experience because we came together five times throughout the year for two or three days at a time in a room with other women where we could have a dialogue about the things we were working through. And for me, the big aha was I learned that some of the things I was struggling with were the same things that these other women were struggling with. And I think at that point in my career, I had a lot of questions on whether or not I was part partner material, whether or not I was ready for the path. And to hear other women talk about that and be struggling with the same things gave me such a boost of confidence I can't even explain. And I really learned a lot. There's the imposter complex. A lot of women have it where you focus more on the things that you don't know versus being comfortable with the things that you do know. And they've done a lot of studies on how there's a gender difference in how people look at that. And so for me, learning about that and talking about that and realizing that I was placing too much emphasis on what I didn't know versus what I did know was a huge turning point. And I think one of the reasons I was able to make partner shortly after that.
3: Deepa, you tell a story about shortly after you made partner your first consultation and how it didn't go the way you expected. I'd love for you to share that story with us.
2: Sure. I was a relatively new partner. I was maybe a few months into being partner. It was an interesting time. It was in the downturn in the economy. And so there weren't as many projects as before. So many of us were looking for new clients and looking for new opportunities. And there was an opportunity at a client where we had not traditionally done a lot of work. I had secured a meeting with the chief technology officer, the CTO. Prior to that meeting, I was given a lot of feedback that this particular officer didn't like consultants, was a very strong personality, was big. Brash, the traditional CTO of a tech company, just very hardcore engineering background and just didn't have a lot of patience for frills or details. And that's not necessarily my space. I'm not an engineer by background. I do a lot of strategy work for large telecoms and large media companies. So slightly different background. And so I got the meeting, which was its first success and everyone was really excited. And then as I'm preparing for the meeting, I get all that feedback I just shared and it was pretty overwhelming. So then I actually go to the meeting and I'm waiting for him to be ready and to take the meeting and I'm standing outside and he motions that he's ready and his assistant lets me into the room and I don't even make it to the chair, which is three feet into his room before him saying, you're who I have the meeting with. Are you sure you're who I have the meeting with? And I kind of looked at him and and said, "Why, why are you asking me that question? And he said, because if I had a daughter, which I don't. But if I did, she would actually be older than you. What could you possibly have to share with me? And it was one of those defining moments in my career. Because if you could see my throat at the time in this big lump, I swallowed to try and find courage from somewhere, ground myself in my feet so I can answer him back in a a strong voice versus the, oh my God, what am I going to say voice that I hear going on in my head. And I said, give me 15 minutes, and if I don't say something helpful, I'll give you back the rest of the 45 minutes we had an hour scheduled. And he ended up meeting with me for over two hours, and he ended up being one of my biggest clients and one of our biggest projects for the next few years in our telecom portfolio. And the reason that it went so well is because in that moment, I realized I didn't have the gray hairs or years of experience that he was maybe expecting. I didn't have the engineering or technical depth that he was expecting, but what I did have is the ability to tell him things that he hadn't been hearing. Because of his personality, I think a lot of people shied away from telling him the truth because he tended to shoot the messenger. And so I was very direct and open. And he found that refreshing. And he learned some of the challenges that people were facing and the company was facing. And we built a really strong trust to business relationship in just a few minutes that became one of my strongest client relationships to date. So it was a really exciting experience, but also a defining experience in that In that moment, I really came into my own and defined my leadership style that I still use today, both internally with our Deloitte leadership team, but also externally with my clients. It's a style of being really direct and being really open, of finding a way to provide feedback to executives that don't always get it because sometimes they're removed from their day-to-day people and some of the day-to-day issues. And a lot of what they hear gets sanitized before it gets to them. And that ability to tell the truth, but in a way that is palatable. I call it telling someone their baby is ugly, but having them listen to you is how I've built a career. And it happened in those moments, which were pretty scary moments early on in my partnership.
3: Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that. And you also said something about accepting that you're a five foot Indian woman. Do you know what I'm referring to there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily fit the mold of what people think a leader or an executive is going to look like. I've had challenges early in my career within the firm, and I've had challenges sometimes when I walk into clients, even today. I'll walk into a very senior executive's office, and I think because of my height, I'm 5'1". And also because of what I call the Asian curse, I look younger than I am. Sometimes people question my seniority or how could I possibly give advice on the things I'm giving advice on. That used to be a really big chip that I used to carry around. And I've learned over the years to let it go that you can't really manage how people see you or what they make up about you, but you can absolutely influence what they think when you leave a room. And that's the advice I give a lot of my mentees don't focus so much on what people think when you walk in. I mean, control what you can control and be conscious of it, but focus more on what you say in the room so that changes. A good example of that is I did a lot of work in Latin America for the first five years of my partnership. And in Latin America, there aren't necessarily a lot of Indian women walking around and there's probably less women executives in some countries down there than there are in the U.S. And so when I would walk into a room, where is the partner that's leading this project? And I would be sitting there I remember early on the first few meetings, people asked when they walked in the room, are you here to take notes? And that really used to bother me, that that used to continually happen. What I learned after a couple of years of facing that, at one point an executive said to me, are you here to take notes? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be taking some notes during the meeting. And then when the meeting started, I stood up to lead the meeting and he was pretty embarrassed and didn't know what to do. But I actually used that to my advantage to take control of the meeting and make sure that it went in the way that we needed it to go. So as opposed to fighting every perception or fighting the things that you society believes on what leadership looks like or what executives look like, I've over time, and it's taken me a long time, but I've started to let go of some of the frustration I feel with that and realize it's more about them than it is about me and take a much more positive and healthy attitude about it and be more observant about it versus trying to take that in as my challenge or my issue.
3: Deeply appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. And also, earlier you touched on some ways Deloitte has been a pioneer in support of female executives. Can you both talk a bit more about that, including Catherine Engelbert becoming Deloitte's CEO in March 2015?
2: Deloitte is a firm of First. We were the first big four or first professional services organization to establish a women's initiative that I mentioned before. But we're also the first big four or firm to have a women chairman. And that was years ago, Sharon Allen. As you just talked about, Kathy is our CEO and she's the first woman CEO of the big four. And very recently in the last few months, we've also announced Deloitte Consulting. We now have a female CEO, similar situation where she's the first and only for a firm of our size, Janet Fowdy. And so it's an exciting place. Place to be, I think, as a woman, but an exciting place to be as anyone at Deloitte because you're seeing that anything is possible and that leadership can look very different ways and people have very different paths to success, especially as the leader of the Women's Initiative. It's exciting to see so many of our women excel.
1: Kathy Engelberg, our new CEO, tells the story about how much she benefited from being able to work in a variety of different roles in her career and take risks, reinvent herself, work in different capacities, get those experiences and how much that has helped her in her progression. She's a great example of how not just staying in one particular role, but really branching out and taking on new things can open doors that perhaps you didn't even see initially or maybe perhaps were not in your original career plan, but if you take those opportunities as they come along and you take those branches in the path, they can really lead you to exciting new places.
3: Do you know what percentage of the firm currently consists of millennials?
2: 10 years from now, we're expecting most companies to be facing a situation where the majority of their people are millennials. For Deloitte right now, over 50% of our organization is millennials. What's interesting and exciting is also we're starting to see our millennials be admitted to the partnership. Many of them are starting to leave some of our largest accounts.
0: Deloitte completed a survey during September and October of last year with 77,000 Millennials from over 29 countries, anything that you could share about how you're using that survey and working with your clients?
2: We are starting to have conversations with our clients around millennials where we are bringing our clients into situations and sharing some of our lessons learned, operational and business issues related to millennials. We're also partnering with a number of organizations like the Billie Jean King Leadership Institute on a paper that's going to be released shortly also on millennials. So we are using some of that data and that research to go meet with clients and discuss the issue further. And there's even more research that's going to come out here. We are hoping to lead in this space.
1: We're also using a lot of the information and insights that come from that study as well as our own internal discussions with our professionals to influence and help support some of the things that we do within Deloitte. So, for instance, we know that millennials really want ongoing feedback about their performance, tactically thinking about how they can get the near-term work tasks done, and spending a lot of time making that a habit to have those regular check-ins with your team leader, and we're seeing a lot of positive feedback from our professionals who are piloting this as we go down that path.
0: What impacts or changes have you made, or what do you have available as far as mentoring?
1: We think about development holistically. So we think about the education component. So that's the learning programs, the training. But we also think about the experiences and the exposures to problems and other people and leaders. And so the mentorship aspect of it falls into that exposure category. Every professional in Deloitte from day one has a counselor or coach that they're assigned to in addition to working for a number of team leaders as they move from client engagement to client engagement. We do provide a lot of coaching, counseling, mentorship through those structures. And then we also encourage our professionals to build their own networks to increase their exposure. We have a lot of focus in some of our training programs around networking concept, helping them get more comfortable and reaching out to others what they can learn from them and really finding the mentors that matter to them and who can help them in their career. We're really trying to get our professionals to drive development on the job. Sometimes that's through mentorship. Sometimes that's through being the project leader, the project manager. So we offer a number of things in our leader development curriculum that kind of blend performance improvement interventions, experiences, coaching opportunities, and toolkits to really help them better manage and develop their teams while also delivering high quality superior client service.
2: As Leslie just mentioned, we have a lot of formal and informal programs around mentorship Especially as millennials grapple with mentorship, the other point I would emphasize is what's really important and what we all need to spend more effort on is turning mentorship into sponsorship. When relationships that maybe start as mentorship and really grow into that sponsorship, where people are advocates for your career and really have a seat at the table and can help influence and make sure that you get the right opportunities, that things come your way, that you're represented in conversations, it really starts to change the game and it really starts to advance people's career. So I think that mentorship is absolutely important, and as Leslie said, we have lots of different ways that we do it. I think the real key to success is that dual focus on mentorship, but also finding sponsors to help you in your career.
3: Deepa, could you talk a little more about sponsorship?
2: Leslie and I both talked about a program that we both were part of as senior managers. In that program, what was really interesting is that outside coach we were assigned, ended up interviewing five senior leaders or five people that we work with that were further along in their careers to provide feedback to us through experiences like that, you start to develop that sense of sponsorship, right? You start to have some of our senior leaders look at you differently, start to think about you. So we have a variety of programs where that matching happens. I can tell you that when I was also a senior manager, I took part in another program where we matched our senior partners with senior managers. And the idea was that sponsorship and mentorship need some ways be organic and come naturally and there has to be connection. But if you can get people to bring the walls down and if you can get people to share their story and make a human connection, then people are much more invested in your career and then sponsorship and mentorship traditionally takes off. So I was part of another year-long program where I was matched with a senior partner and we were given almost a script to work through where the first meeting we were asked to talk about our backgrounds and the second meeting we were asked to talk about why are we the way we are, but there were very pointed questions about our childhood and challenges we overcame and you had to physically write answers to those questions and then exchange them in this meeting and that was another one of those groundbreaking programs for me because it allowed the dialogue to be very different. Sometimes when you're coming up in your career, sponsorship or mentorship, you sit in a meeting and you ask some questions and it can be a little bit awkward or it can be a little bit formal, sometimes hard to connect with people personally. That program showed me that human connection is so important and sometimes more important than do I work in the same space as you. I think we try and make sure that our women feel supported and all of our staff, I should say, feel supported. And so there are a number of programs around sponsorship and mentorship
1: these things, mentorship, sponsorship, not just something that's important when you're early in your career, but it continues throughout your entire career. And so we do the same kinds of things Deepa was describing. We try to continue that even for our partners and leaders. In one example, we match up partners who are a few years into their career with a senior leader from another function or another area in Deloitte, So we partnered them together to help bring another sounding board, another person who can help think through things with you, help provide that guidance, leverage their experiences and the things they've learned, but also to bring you a perspective outside the day-to-day world and group that you work with most closely. And what I found in going through that program myself was the counsel and the advice that the senior partner that I was working with provided to me was really interesting to think about how it was different in some cases from what I had originally been thinking, just focus on the impact in my particular area. So she really helped me think more broadly and how could I have a bigger impact across the firm and how could I continue to think outside the four walls of my day-to-day work.
2: And if I can tell maybe a personal story here to layer on top of that. As a woman of color, I was our first Indian female partner in consulting. I sometimes was looking for another woman, the person literally who physically looked like me to be my sponsor or mentor. Something that I've realized over the years is that's not necessarily the right way to approach this, that you can learn more and sometimes get more connection from people that don't look like you. It's something I'd encourage to not necessarily look for sponsors or mentors that just look like them. And we really have opened the dialogue around that conversation, both with our partners and directors, but also with our staff. Ask that when you're looking for a sponsor or the counter is when you are sponsoring someone, don't necessarily just look for someone who looks like you or is from the same part of the country as you or practices in the same space. As you there is sometimes more that can come from that difference and that's a real emphasis or dialogue we've been having over the last few years and as a woman of color I struggled with that and I think it's something that it took me a while to understand I have a senior partner who as I made partner early on started to spend some more time with me because I found myself in some really senior situations pretty quickly and he initially put time on my calendar every Friday for a half an hour I'm now almost into my eighth year of partnership, and he has still kept that time on my calendar. And if anything, I'm the one that cancels that. And to me, that's an amazing demonstration of investment in someone. But it's also a really amazing story because he is a white male partner from the South. And if you look at us on paper, we probably have very little in common. And he has become one of my biggest sponsors and mentors because we've spent the time and realized that we have more commonality than you might think when you see us.
3: I wonder if you could talk a little about formal mechanisms for getting ideas across to upper management and mechanisms for supporting innovation throughout the company.
1: Definitely support innovation, being open to new ideas and actually wanting to hear about them. Some of the best ideas, perhaps most of the best ideas that we can implement actually come from our teams in the field working with our clients. So we really want to be able to bring those ideas to the forefront. Our business is go about that in some different ways. So for example, a couple of our businesses do innovation challenges periodically throughout the year where they'll encourage their professionals to put forth ideas that focus on certain industry trends or certain things that we're seeing in the marketplace or even things that might help internally. And they go through a little bit of a Shark Tank-like review. It's a little bit of a competition and adding some fun into that. But those ideas, in many cases, have been implemented and we've provided funding to get them off the ground, to test them and all of that. And we're constantly piloting new things. We take those ideas and we may start testing them in small places and then allow that to grow. Another example, we've started a program at Deloitte University, our learning campus outside of Dallas, where we're trying to help our people think about how to solve problems in new ways. And we call it wicked problems. So we apply design thinking, it's empathy-based problem solving. So you go through a really rapid brainstorming exercise that flexes your creativity and collaboration. These are problems that are some of the world's most vexing problems. And the idea is not to come out with the perfect solution through a session like that, but to get a lot of ideas together to stimulate that innovation. And then we We take some of those ideas, we work with nonprofits and other organizations to see where we can put those ideas together with some of the things that they're doing and really make a difference from a community standpoint and otherwise. So it's all around that innovative thinking and we're starting to do more and more about actually teaching people how to do that in a more effective way.
2: I love the wicked example. I moved into a new practice that we just created a year ago called Social Impact, an interesting space to be in because some of it came from the demand from the marketplace where our clients are starting to ask questions about how do you do well but do good? How do you make money but do good? And it's starting to be a growing conversation in commercial or corporate America. What's interesting is the other reason for that practice coming into play was feedback, especially from our millennials who wanted to really start to talk about and put energy and build a career around solving some of the world's biggest problems, some problems that require different thinking. And so I find myself in a daily conversation that it feels very different than some of the other spaces I've played in historically. And I think the fact that the practice was created really speaks to the fact that our company and indolent really listens to what staff want and what staff need. The creation of the service line is a real great example of us understanding that our millennials want to do different purpose-driven work.
0: Knowing the work that you do with your clients and some of the intensity around all of the things that go into working with a client, are there any processes or things that Deloitte has put into place to help an employee with that work-life balance? Sure, as you
2: mentioned, we have clients who have high expectations, but we have put something in place called empowered well-being, and that's an approach where we want to give people the support and the flexibility to make daily choices on what gets them energized, what gets them excited. We obviously have or provide market-leading benefits on things like flexible PTO and sabbatical options, well-being subsidy that covers the cost of gym memberships and things like that. Empowered well-being is part of our consciousness, and it's part of something we think about every day that we realize we're going to be our best professionally when we are our most fulfilled and best personally and emotionally and spiritually, and finding that balance and making sure that people place emphasis on figuring out that balance is core to our culture and really where we are reinvigorating the conversation and placing
0: a lot of emphasis. How many people apply for jobs at Deloitte annually, and how many are hired we are always looking for the very best talent, and we're selective
1: in who we hire, so the numbers are a bit staggering, actually. We receive about 500,000 job applications a year, oh and we, uh, we hire 4 to 5% of them, so we do get a lot of interest, which is fantastic, and try to spend a lot of time in our recruiting process finding the ones that we think are going to be the best fit with us.
0: Wow, that is very impressive. Given that, one of the things that we like to do is help our listeners find avenues into the companies that we've interviewed. What are some things that our audience could do to help them have better odds of hitting into that 4 or 5% that get hired?
1: We're really looking for people who are able to walk into a room and gain credibility and present their ideas. We want creative thinking. We were just talking about innovation and how important that is to us. So I think it's not so much about having the perfect resume. It's about demonstrating how you can think analytically, how you can solve problems, how you can demonstrate leadership abilities, how do you build relationships that are based on trust someone who has a passion for learning. I mean, I've changed paths, reinvented myself, do different things throughout the course of my career at Deloitte. And so we want people who are open to those things, who can take advantage of those opportunities and always wanting to learn and grow and develop. So if you can demonstrate that in some of the things that you've done in the past or in the conversations, using examples to talk about where are your passions and what you really want to do in those areas, those would be tips that I would share with somebody who's interested in talking with us.
2: I would add one more thing. Although some of the conversation we've talked about today has been around millennials, I also think one of the places where we are putting a lot of energy is around experienced hire recruiting. And in that space, we are starting to look very openly at all candidates and really looking for the right experiences, the right industry experiences, especially as we look to fill roles. And so... We have a real focus around hiring more experienced women in particular, and so I would really encourage people to take a chance. We are really looking for different experience and looking for industry experience in ways that maybe we haven't always looked as widely before. And so even though those numbers are staggering, I would really encourage people who are interested in Deloitte to apply, especially if they have that experience under their belt.
0: Does Deloitte offer opportunities for internship for maybe some college students to get in the door? We do. We have a number of internship
1: programs across the various businesses in Deloitte. We actually have a number of what we call early identification programs. So we go onto college campuses in front of recruits and really try to help them see The types of things we do in Deloitte and also introduce them to our culture and the types of people that work here. For instance, last year, close to 4,500 interns and early identification candidates participated in several recruiting conferences and programs, some of which we have at Deloitte University. So, we definitely focus on internships. We try to help the students learn a bit more about business and soft skills and get some firsthand experience around the things that we do through either the conferences and our internship programs as well.
0: And then what tips could you offer somebody once here she's been hired by Deloitte to enjoy a long and successful career there at the firm?
2: First of all, figure out what you like to do. And if you don't know, be willing and be open to trying a number of different things. I also think it's important to speak up and to really voice your thoughts and make sure the things that you like and if you have different feedback in a client situation, that you speak up. The third thing is finding your way. One's career is really one's own responsibility. And obviously Deloitte is here to help you, but own that responsibility, speak up when there's an opportunity that you want and navigate your career in the ways that you want to see it grow. We don't have a cookie cutter approach for one successful career. I've seen, and as Leslie talked about before, both of us have changed paths many times. It's a really great place to figure out what you like, try a number of different things to get there, but then to invest and make sure people understand what it is that you like to do. And that in a lot of ways, it's your career. And I think we live and breathe that in Deloitte, that that, again, that idea that it's not a cookie cutter career, that you can make it happened, that you can make your way and you can define it in the ways that you want, but also make sure you set boundaries during that process. Our firm is demanding, our clients can be demanding. The most successful people within the firm figure out what they like to do. They make sure their voice is heard. They set boundaries really well and know what they need to be happy, both personally and professionally. And I think our most successful people find a way to figure that out and to balance that and to navigate that.
1: One of the things that's really important in doing all of the things that Deepa mentioned is being authentic. So knowing what are your strengths? What are the things that strengthen you? What do you enjoy doing? And then thinking about how you can use those in new and different ways. You can take advantage of the support and the resources and the colleagues and the mentors you have here at Deloitte, but figuring out where your own strengths are, that way you can drive your career in the way you want to go and you can be your authentic self and not trying to fit yourself into something that perhaps might be good for someone else, but it's not necessarily aligned to the things that really energize you. So I think that's really important as well.
3: Leslie and Deepa, deeply appreciate your wisdom and knowledge that you shared and how open you were with us. So enormous thanks.
0: Leslie and Deepa, thank you so much for sharing with us the culture, the commitment to the growth and the success of each person the firm supports. We really appreciate you sharing all the information about Deloitte with us and for being so open with us and sharing the great stories. Thank you so much for including us. It's really been a pleasure to speak with you today.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure to speak with you as well.
0: Hi, and I thank you for listening to this interview. Please frequently visit our The Millennial Career Playbook website at tmcpb.com, as we're always adding new interviews and other content designed to help you find a job or enhance your career.